2: The shooting, the violence That is not the drug problem That is in fact the drug policy problem
1: I speak tonight for the Dignity Dignity of man
0: And you know Dignity is so much of what it's all about People want to be treated with dignity They don't want to be dominated and controlled By others Everybody around the world Wants a little bit of that dignity Well She's 16. She's from a family of peasants in an isolated village. The foreign occupation outraged her and she set out to fight it. Her actions excited her oppressed people whose spirits rose from the depths of despair to renewed hope. She was captured by her occupiers who imprisoned and prosecuted her. You may be thinking I'm talking about 16 year old Ahed Tamimi, a West Bank Palestinian who dared to slap the face of an Israeli Defense Forces officer. But actually, the above refers to Joan of Arc, known as the Maid of Orleans. Both are a real threat to the occupying powers, and both have been dealt with harshly. So now the Internet is spreading throughout the world a photograph of her in a heroic pose, uh, holding a flying Palestinian flag. The world is quickly learning the name Ahed Tamimi. It is certainly surprisingly bad public relations from a sophisticated government such as that of Israel. Uh, It does surprise me (laughs) that they would get themselves into such a bad PR mess. One might think that the Israeli forces might be smarter than to create a new Joan of Arc, a new David versus Goliath. And as Americans know, the power of everyone having access to a video recorder can make a huge difference. Imagine all the police brutality and killings of black men that happened before the rise of instant videos. Now police across America are under a microscope, and so are Israeli troops. But so far... They don't seem to care. What will be her fate as she faces extended time in jail? Is there any way the Israelis might defuse the bad publicity? Or have they gone too far already so that they're unable to turn back? And in light of the continuing Me Too movement of women standing up and speaking out against harassment and assault by men in positions of power, where are those feminists on this matter? Well, I'm very pleased to have with us to talk about this which might be unfamiliar to most listeners, is Ariel Gold. Ariel, thanks so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive today.
3: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Ariel Gold is the national co-director for Code Pink, which you've probably heard of, and the coordinator for their Middle East campaigns. She has worked closely with the Tamimi family for a number of years, including bringing uh, Bassem Tamimi, Ahed's father, to the U.S. in 2015 for speaking events. Ariel Gold has written an article appearing on Mondo Weiss, News and Opinion About Palestine, Israel, and the U.S., titled, Where is the Me Too Movement for Ahed Tamimi? Well, again, thanks so much for being with us today. I wonder if you could bring us up to speed. Who is Ahed Tamimi, and why is she in an Israeli jail? I believe the story starts when President Trump announced on December 15th that he would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and not Palestine, which also claims that city as its capital. Tell us the story of what transpired that day with Ahed Tamimi.
3: Well, let's actually go all the way back to uh, 2011, which is when uh, the village of Nabisala, which is where Ahed lives, started engaging in regular protests um, against the ongoing occupation of and occupation of their land and theft of their resources, and uh, they would go out, you know, on a, on a weekly or even more frequent basis to confront the military in a peaceful fashion and say that you know we're not going to cooperate with this occupation. We're not going to sit silently by and live with these checkpoints and closures and land thefts and the ever-encroaching uh, settlement of Halamish, which borders their land. And Israel did not take kindly to these peaceful protests, as they, they don't take kindly to any peaceful protests from Palestinians, and has long had it in uh, for the Tamimi family. So, you know, going a little bit back in Ahad's life, um, she has witnessed um, the imprisonment of her father when she was a, a very young girl uh, who he was accused, Bassam was accused of, of being the organizer for these protests. And, and it's illegal um, under Israeli military law to, to protest. To, uh, it's illegal to criticize the occupation openly. That's a charge of incitement and uh, protest. It's under uh, Military Law 101. It's it's a criminal act. And so she lost her father for a number of years. Um, Ahed has seen her cousin um, killed. She saw her uncle shot and killed, Rushdie Tamimi. Uh, She was there on the scene when her mother was shot in the leg with a twenty-two caliber bullet. And the attempt there really was to disable her mother, and she watched her mother be taken off in an ambulance. Uh, thankfully, her mother, over a few years, fully recovered. Mm. She's seen her aunt shot. And a few moments uh, before this, inter- this, this incident that went viral of Ahed slapping an Israeli soldier, uh, her cousin, her 15-year-old cousin, Mohammed Tamimi, was shot in the face with a rubber-coated steel bullet directly in his face. Wow. He had to be taken to the hospital uh, for surgery and placed in a medically induced coma. Oh. Thankfully, he has survived. But moments after he was he was shot, the soldiers, as they often do, came to her home and tried to enter her home, and stood in the yard of her property. And this time Ahed said, no more. And she went up to the soldier, and, and it's a very viral video. Uh, people can Google it. And she slapped the soldier with her bare hand. There's, there's no injury caused here. But the injury that, that, mm. that Israel felt was an injury to their, to their masculinity, right. to their control and domination, this is a young girl who's not afraid of the soldiers. She would rather, you know, sit in a prison cell than she would live on her knees. Um, when you're when you're arrested as a Palestinian, one of the things that they actually demand of you um, is that you're not allowed to look at the soldier in the in the eyes. Mm. And this often occurs in checkpoints too. You you'll hear a soldier say, "Don't look at me," and and they, you Palestinians know not to. But Ahed doesn't uh doesn't take to her knees and um she stands up to the soldiers and for this israel is is
1: infuriated
3: and the general population in israel wants to see her put away for the rest of her life this is a really really ugly case of exacting revenge on a 16 year old
0: my goodness i'm just amazing really and i can understand that stuff about not looking someone in the eye, because that humanizes them. You can't possibly humanize your, your enemy, your oppressor, because they might actually feel it. So what happened on December 15th when Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and not Palestine?
3: Well, so Palestinians consider East Jerusalem to be their capital. Sure. And recognizing, uh, declaring Jerusalem as the capital of Israel is a slap in the face to any idea of a peaceful solution, it's, it's the, yeah. the full burial, we could say, yeah. of the two-state solution. Yes. And Palestinians rightfully are infuriated, and they took to protest. And Ahed is only one of many arrests that we've seen occur since then. Um, longtime, renowned activist Munther Amira from uh, Bethlehem is continuing to sit in a detention cell for protests. Um, of the recognition of Jerusalem and many, many others, um, and so Nabi Sala, uh, Ahed village, took to took to protest, um, and uh, Israel has been cracking down hmm. really in extreme ways, and so the, this was kind of the stage setting yeah. uh, for this arrest of Ahed. But this, you know, I have to say the the. Israeli public and the Israeli military has had it in for this family for a long time. Really? For the same reason, this is a family that refuses to cooperate with the occupation and to to accept the occupation. Um, so, I had slapped this soldier, and uh, it was caught on it was caught on video by her mother, who was on Facebook Live at the time. And so the next night, uh, the soldiers returned around uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, which Mm. is the time that they like to come into people's homes. And, in fact, last night, in the middle of the night, they were um, in another uh, home in Nabisala and uh, took a 19-year-old young man. Uh, But on this occasion, it was Ahad that they took in the middle of the night. Uh, It really occurs kind of like a kidnapping. Mm. And uh, they came and grabbed her and put her in the back of the military jeep. This was on uh, December 19th. And uh, the next morning, her mother went to the police station to try to insist that she be present uh, during Ahid's interrogation, which is not guaranteed under military law. And rather than letting uh, Nariman be her daughter, they also took Ahid's uh, mother, Nariman, into custody. And both Ahed and Merriman are continuing to be held in custody. Ahed is facing uh, 12 charges, and she is facing up to or more than 10 years uh, in prison. And her mother has also been charged with uh, incitement for broadcasting the video, and so is facing herself a number of years in prison.
0: So wait she's this uh young girl I had Tomimi I guess she's 17 now uh that's still pretty young um uh, she's charged with what kind of things that might I mean what are the what are the charges really some I mean 10 years in jail sure. there's a lot of time in jail it's got to be some serious charges
3: so these are the workings of the Israeli military court so i actually 16 right now ah, she okay. will turn 17 on uh january 31st
1: ah okay um
3: israel is the only country in the world that uh has a juvenile military court and that tries children in military court uh each year they arrest and try around 700 children in military court Mm. and on the one hand because she's under 18 supposedly she shouldn't uh have the possibility of more than a year um in prison but uh the way the military court works there there's kind of exceptions for that and so when they have a charge that could be more they can still apply it to to a young person, to a to a child. Um I had charges consist of such things as um, assault of a soldier, um, incitement, mm. uh and uh, stone throwing. And some of these, they've actually, so some of these are repeat charges as well. And some of these, they've, they've dug up old and ex- charges from previous years that they've kind of gone back. And this is a new strategy that Israel is employing, uh, using old and exaggerated charges uh, to prosecute um, activists.
0: So what she did do, the, the level of violence, and I use that term advisedly, is that she slapped the soldier in the face with her bare hand. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and comparatively, uh, there's an Israeli settler who recently had slapped a, a soldier in Hebron who was ah. trying to stop her from uh, throwing stones. And this settler, who had a previous record of five, of, uh, five different charges, um, Ahed had never been arrested until now, uh, was released that same night on bail, um, from the police station and is facing nothing serious of all of the five charges the this, this settler has never um, done any time in jail. So just to kind of give a comparison, because what, what the situation is in occupied Palestine, there are two separate laws for two groups of people. Right. So Palestinians um, in the West Bank, in Gaza, and in East Jerusalem are all of them, adults and children, subject to military law, where you have such things as uh, it being illegal to protest,
1: hmm.
3: um, to campaign for your rights, can be you can be charged with incitement, um, even for a post on Facebook or, or for a video in this case. Um, on the other hand, Israeli settlers who are living on the same land illegal. um, illegally yes. are subject only to Israeli civilian law.
0: And I wonder, I mean, illegal to protest, it's got to be worded differently, I would think. I mean, what? how can they make it's it... It's
3: generally worded as either participating in or organizing an illegal protest. So in order, it, it, what the uh, law is there, the military law, and it's yeah. military order, uh, military law 101, uh-huh. uh, that particular law says that it is illegal for more than 10 uh palestinians to gather for any sort of political purpose or discussion without a permit and you can imagine whether israel is keen permit. on giving a permit yeah. so
0: <laughs> sorry to laugh but it just seems so obvious yeah right i'm going to get a right. permit sir <laughs> if, right, if you
3: right, just a permit to protest or to discuss you know the politics of israel to criticize the government with people of 10 or more is, is is actually illegal. So then if you go ahead and protest, even on your own land, um, even a group, you know, discussion, conversation, that is, that is illegal. Wow. And so at any time, you could be charged with that. And in this case... Um, Ahed, uh, that is one of the things that she's charged with, and that's one of the things that sent Ahed's uh, father to prison for a number of years when she was, uh, I forget if she was 10 or 11 at the time that he went to prison for that.
0: So 1984-ish, it's, it's amazing to me. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. Our guest today is Ariel Gold, who is uh, with Code Pink. She's the coordinator for their Middle East campaigns. And we're talking about 16-year-old Ahed Tamimi, who has become quite the cause celeb. I I can't imagine the Israelis are too happy with the fact that she's become, you know, a worldwide uh, figure, Uh, but uh, (laughs) they did it themselves. Now, this thing about, you know, holding children, that's just— it's interesting to me there's an israeli law this is a question which enables the military to hold and detain a 16 year old without a parent or lawyer present is it present is it common for them to hold children
3: that way it's very common um, children of age 12 and older are subject to to military court they are regularly denied access to their parents or an attorney during mm. questioning, they are held in isolation, which is one of the things that Ahed has been facing, is um, an isol- uh, isolation cell. Um, they are held in isolation, they're interrogated for extended periods of time, they are coerced to sign uh, confessions in, in Hebrew, a language that they don't understand, Ooh. they are tricked into signing confessions, um, and then sentenced. They're often held in this, uh, there's one prison, uh, which is notorious as a dungeon prison, in really small, uh, torture cells. This is and f- they're, they're blindfolded and handcuffed at the time of arrest. Um, often they're denied access to use the restroom during their arrest or not fed properly. It's it's a really uh, repulsive occurrence, and and while we're talking about that, I want to mention something that can be done or that that is being done, which is that uh, within the last few months, legislation has actually been introduced uh, by Representative uh, Betty McCollum, and I believe there are about uh, 20 signers on the legislation now so far. Um, and the legislation is calling uh, for accountability and an end to Israel's military detention of Palestinian children. So I'd love to tell listeners to uh, check in with your representative and see if they have signed on to uh, Betty McCollum's legislation. And if not, to ask their representative to sign on and people can get more information about the legislation um through uh, Defense of Children International Palestine and the No Way to Treat a Child campaign. So they can just look those up. And and Code Pink is part of uh, that campaign as well.
0: And we'll have to uh, ask you to give that information again before the end of our uh, discussion here. You, You write that Israeli logic is that Palestinians should cooperate with their own oppression, end of quote. What do you mean by that? Could you give us an example? People rarely (laughs) cooperate with their own oppression. Uh, And before we actually get to that, I was reminded, oh, a few years ago when when Israel launched the uh, war uh, on Gaza, I remember there was a 10- or 11-year-old boy who said he hadn't planned it before, but now he would be a suicide bomber. He was determined to do that because of what Israel did. And I imagine these kids, these young kids, what can the Israeli authorities expect them to give up and just, you know, surrender to their oppressors? So what what did you mean when they when you say that that logic, the Israeli logic, is that they should cooperate with their own oppression?
3: Well, it's a little bit of exactly what I was telling you, that Palestinians should not challenge this, that they are not allowed to speak out against it. They should walk quietly through the checkpoints and avert their eyes from the soldiers. And, you know, it's uh, not unlike some systems that the U.S. uses. You know, so, for example, if you're a Palestinian uh, living in the West Bank and you want to travel into Jerusalem, say, to visit uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque and, and pray there, you have to ask for a permit from the Israeli government. And... Anyone who participates in any demonstrations, who's critical of the government, who is in any way an activist, is denied these permits. So it's, uh, you know, a kind of a, a reward and um, punishment system right. done in that way. And, you know, just to give you a further idea of that complication around that, if you, say, want to visit the United States, then you, you need to then apply for a visa the U.S. consulate where those visas are given out is located in Jerusalem. And so you can't get your permit to travel into Jerusalem to apply to the visa unless Israel will give it to you. And so all of this is, is you know, this uh, expectation that Palestinians not, not uh, in any way contest the circumstances that they live under. And all of this is uh, further around this uh, idea of Israel that uh, you make life for the Palestinians so difficult that they leave on their own accord. And there's actually a name for this uh, by the Israeli government. It's called Voluntary Transfer. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Palestinians like the Tamimi family, and this is their entire family, that refuse to cooperate in these ways, that refuse to stand down, that would rather be in prison than, than live in this way, um are really the Achilles' heel of Israel.
0: Boy, I would think so. (laughs) You can just look at history so much. But then again, one thing I've learned from history is that we never seem to learn from history. (laughs) You write that while the West seems mostly indifferent to Ahed Tamimi's plight, Israel is hell-bent with hatred for the girl. Now, I'm curious... You know, we, from the uh, Trump administration, they keep insisting that the, the mainstream media is so left of center. I haven't seen a darn thing about Ahed Tamimi on the uh, so-called liberal media. It doesn't seem to exist there. But tell us, I guess there's been quite a few uh, leading individuals who have had a lot of things to say uh, about uh, Ahed Tamimi's plight. There's, as you say, hell bent with hatred for the girl. I wonder if you could give us some examples of that.
3: Well, right after her arrest, a prominent Israeli journalist made a a very thinly veiled, at best, um, call for Ahed to be raped. He said uh, retribution should be sought in the dark with no cameras. It was a very thinly veiled and really, really disgusting um, call. The education minister in, in Israel, Naftali Bennett, Uh, said publicly that her entire family should be imprisoned for the rest of their lives. And uh, the Israeli defense minister made a a statement that her family should be imprisoned for many years. So, you know, this is a country, and when she's framed in the Israeli media, among the Israeli public, uh, they, they kind of take two narratives. One is as this, you know, horrendous, horrendous, dangerous terrorist. They have refused to release Ahed on any bail, saying that she poses a risk to the soldiers and to the ongoing investigation. Again, you know, mm-hmm. a girl with, a, with her bare hands. <laughs> and um, the other narrative is that this family, that these protests are staged, and this family doesn't really exist. In fact, they launched an actual campaign to say that this was this family is a fake family that doesn't exist. Um, and you know, it's an entirely uh, stage from Hollywood.
0: Fake news. Where have we heard that before?
3: Fake news.
0: <laughs> Mussolini actually created that phrase for you know reality that the dictator didn't like. That that is uh, just amazing. But then again, my understanding—I mean, with the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee has this you know uh, lock on the United States Congress. It's like Israel can do no wrong. But my sense is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the people in Israel, the, the, the Jewish people in Israel, isn't there a diversity of opinion? I mean, not everybody is as right wing as, as Netanyahu and as, as hateful and, uh, you know, full of uh, racism and militarism. Is, is there not some support for in in Israel at all? Among the Jewish population? Very,
3: very little. So the Israeli public is heavily and has been moving more and more to the extreme right. Oh, wow. So the peace movement in Israel is really, really small. Um, we're talking about uh, a government in a state that really doesn't tolerate dissent. They've now just hmm. banned 20 organizations from around the world, including Code Pink, uh, from, e- from entering the country at all for, for our dissent. Um, but so it's, it's a very small, small movement there, the Israeli, uh, peace movement. There, there is some there, though. There's the organization there, uh, called Coalition of Women for Peace, who just recently, uh, had a protest out, outside of, uh, Hasharon prison where Ahed and her mother are being held. And there are activists doing what they can and, and providing support for the Timimi family. But it, it's extremely, extremely right. small but
0: and she's not charged with and the family is not charged with correct me if I'm wrong with launching rockets or any kind of actual organization of, of violence is that right?
3: No, no nothing no sorts of violence uh, stone throwing is the you know the extent of the charges and this family does throw stones and this is, these are these are stones that um, thrown at a heavily armed, armed, you know, with U.S. tax dollars, Mm -hmm. (laughs) military, military jeeps that fully covered uh, soldiers, not at civilians. Um, And the Tamimis are very clear. They believe their stones to be nonviolent. This is part of their culture. Um, But, you know, I did learn today that uh, Bassem Tamimi has Father has now been, as of I I guess this week, has now been uh, forbidden by the state of Israel from leaving the West Bank at all. Um, The West Bank is in many ways a a prison, and was really designed that way, Um, and he now cannot get out at all. He uh, was trying to travel to Europe on an invitation to speak about his his daughter's situation, and he won't be able to leave at at all.
0: I have heard that that the I, I again, I don't know this. The population, the difference between you know uh, Zionist Israelis and Palestinians, that like the former South Africa, there were a few white people ruling a tremendous number of black people. Of course, surprise, surprise, that didn't last. And now there's there's equal citizenship for all. The, the population of Palestinians is growing a lot faster than the Zionists,
3: is it not? sure it it is a larger growing population and in in terms of israel we are talking about a country that is obsessed with demographics um (laughs) this is really it's nothing more than racism you have uh, a, a minority population that excludes uh others from from having full rights and much of the way that they do this is through demographics it's through determining uh, who's under civilian law and who's under military law. It's about uh, revoking the residency permits for uh, Palestinians living in Jerusalem, um, about trying to bring more and more Jews from around the world into the country right, right. while continuing to deny the right of return to Palestinian refugees. It's, it's an incredibly racist endeavor.
0: Yeah, it's kind of surprising considering that, you know, the Jewish history in America, that I was a little bit young for it, but in the 50s and early 60s, Jews and blacks worked together because, frankly, we hated racism. You know, it just it just goes against our traditional values of, of ethics and equality and justice, and yet here they are claiming to be Jewish and and doing this repression and obvious racism. It just, I've I've heard psychologically that those who have been abused in the past, you know, just individually, often become abusers themselves, and you know the the Zionists often rely on the horrific abuse that Jews and millions of others received under the Nazis to justify their militaristic defensiveness. You write that the uh, current Israeli government would strongly prefer Palestinians to leave and to make life unbearable for Palestinians. You know, as you mentioned, voluntary transfer. Well, as I know a little bit about history, in the 1930s in Germany, the goal was to have Jews leave. They wanted Jews to leave, and it didn't quite happen that way. I, I, I wonder. It sounds like there's a little fire alarm going where you are. Or whatever.
3: <laughs> Sorry about that. I think it'll pass soon.
0: Yeah, it will. Uh, it just it surprises me. Are there not people in Israel who who recognize that you know we have been abused? What the heck are we doing abusing these other people?
3: Well, you know, Zionism, the which is the foundation of the state of Israel, actually yes. began far, far before the Holocaust um, from the late 1800s. And it was always designed uh, from its inception as a racist movement um, intent on removing Palestinians from their land. Um, I can speak for myself. My family, personally, has been involved in Zionism um, from the early 1900s, Mm. uh, raising money to establish the State of Israel. And before the establishment of Israel one of the tactics used was to try to buy up Palestinian land and plans were laid or, or, or you know things were plotted far before um,
2: 1948
3: sure. in order to carry out what was a brutal and uh, you know really horrific ethnic cleansing of uh, 700,000 Palestinians from their lands and homes. There were uh, brutal, brutal massacres, some of which are just coming to light now, mm. uh, carried out by Jewish terrorist gangs. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of this is just currently sort of being released and documented or, or in more detail. But uh, so it's, it's nothing new from then. Uh, And and I would I would say very simply that racism is racism in whatever form it's manifesting. And, you know, we have a we have a term um, kind of among the left for uh, for this kind of uh, framing around opposition to racism, um, but having it not apply. To the plight of Palestinians Uh Uh, we call it progressive except Palestine PEPs.
0: progressive except Palestine yeah yeah I'm familiar with that too you and I I believe are both of Jewish background here and and I value that and I don't know if you've ever been called a self-hating Jew because you criticize Israel but I certainly have and it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion the two Zionism and being Jewish are two very distinct things Ah, if you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. We're talking about uh, Tamir, uh, or rather, Ahmed Tamimi, uh, a West Bank Palestinian 16-year-old girl who dared to slap the face of an officer after they were raiding her property. Our guest today is Ariel Gold, national co-director for Code Pink. And I'd say that's quite a badge of honor to be banned from the state of Israel and the coordinator for the Middle East campaigns. Now, just a few years ago, another... Uh, In 2013 and 14, there was another brave girl who became a world celebrity for standing up to oppressors. Her name was Malala uh, Yousafzai, I think I pronounced that right, who actually won the Nobel Prize in 2014. And as you recognize, there's a big difference between being shot in the head on the way to school and being arrested after slapping a soldier. It's true. But as you point out, there is the case of a 10-year-old Palestinian girl who, 2007, was killed by an Israeli soldier on her way to buy candy. Millions have heard of Malala, uh, millions of us, and and I certainly never heard of uh, Abir Aramin. Malala met with President Obama, the the girl from uh, Afghanistan, and had support from prominent actors all over the West. Why is something like this not happening for Ahed Amimi?
3: well so the general way of thinking when it comes to palestinians is that uh, whatever they get they deserve and that palestinians are inherently violent and uh, terrorists mm. um you know, we were just speaking a lot about racism, and I would say a lot of this stems from blatant Islamophobia. Yes. And it also stems from, uh, you know, as you spoke about AIPAC having a grip on uh, U.S. Congress. Well, Israeli propaganda campaigns and the workings of Israeli media um, or or pro-Israel media in the U.S. Have a, have a massive grip on how we tell the story of Palestinians and who is seen as the victim uh, versus the oppressor. Um, you know, Israel just approved $72 million uh, to fight boycott, divestment, and sanctions. This is a country that invests an enormous amount of money in public relations and uh, propaganda. and it's very successful in many ways. So, as you said, we're we're seeing a lot of breakthrough with Ahed's case um, in that it has, you know, circulated internationally and is continuing to, yeah, um, largely as a result of social media.
0: I wonder what rig- wiggle room the pal- the uh, Israeli government has on this. I mean, if uh, nobody is immune from public pressure, world pressure. Uh, I mean, maybe they think they are. It's entirely possible. I don't know, but I, I wonder if they can defuse the situation, just as a as a public relations situation, or do they have to? Are they backed into a corner so far? They got to keep her in jail and keep, uh, you know, ratcheting up the charges.
3: Well, so far, I think they're they're keeping her in jail with the support of the Israeli public, right. and we haven't seen yet that Israel cares so much what what other countries think. And it's very oh, difficult to to generate enough support. We absolutely do need uh, more support for Ahid's case and more pressure on the Israeli government. Um, it's a very tough uh, they're a very tough nut to crack. <laughs> but the US is is, you know, where where a lot of that pressure can be effective and absolutely where we need it to come from.
0: Yeah, and I find it fascinating that uh, actually uh, I'm we're coming uh, to listeners from New Hampshire, one of our US senators has supported Senate Bill 720, Maggie Hassan is her name, which is astounding to me, a clearly drafted by APAC that would make it a felony to even share information about American businesses operating in the occupied territory uh, because they want it's an anti-bds boycott divest and sanctions the boycott divest and sanctions movement is getting is having a real effect on them and so they're trying to make it illegal here in the united states and this uh i i'm Astounded that it's gotten as far as it is, Senate Bill seven twenty. I'm sure you're familiar with that as well.
3: Sure, it's, it's one of those bills that we need to fight.
0: Oh my God, it's I'm I'm shocked by it. And and uh, Maggie Hassan is in theory a Democrat, but uh, she was also the only Democratic governor to support the the uh, stopping of refugees coming into the United States before she was elected. Uh, in 2016. Anyway, hopefully we can put pressure... You know, pressure does matter, at least here in the United States. It really does. And we'll definitely get to the McCollum Amendment before we finish up. But I wanted to talk about the the Me Too movement, which is uh, really big now. You know, a lot of powerful and well-known women across the United States are aligning themselves with the Me Too movement after all these different charges of men in, you know, powerful positions, harassing, and even assaulting women sexually, you know, because it's happened to a lot of women. It's kind of a cultural thing, unfortunately. You write that I had to me, uh, who you uh, who is, as you write, completely unafraid of her aggressors, could be regarded as a pillar in the Me Too movement. In what ways should be? Could she be regarded as a pillar in the movement? And can you tell us your thoughts on why she's not yet seen that way? M- might it be? what you describe as the political rather than the individual nature of Ahed's feminism.
3: Sure. Well, you know, uh, often feminism and and the activism of women is thought of as only in the very personal, to be advocating for your personal body. But Ahed is advocating for the rights of her people, which are very much women's rights. It's the right to uh, raise your children in a safe world, the uh, right to be a mother, you know, outside of, in, in safety and without occupation. Um, and it's a, it's a really political struggle. And so she's kind of expanding that idea of uh, what feminism is outside of the individualistic way that we often think about it. That's something that, that Code Pink very commonly engages in as well, The act of of standing up to to a soldier as a young girl, as a as a young woman coming into herself, is an incredibly brave act, and it is an act of of speaking up and exposing um, the ways in which she is held down and this occupation is forced upon her um, without her consent. And so, I think it is the obligation of of the women's movement, of the Me Too movement, of the feminist movement, to include Ahed in uh, these campaigns and to really think of her as the hero that she is.
0: And you know, there's there's sexism, this cultural that has been around for a really long time. I mean, I remember when the Marx brothers, who I always liked, uh, that. Uh, but there was HarPO always chasing women around and they they were frightened, but it was funny. It was considered okay. It was part of our culture. Then there's this institutional uh, uh, sexism, which is when you know a, a a government is pretty, macho, you know, anti-feminist, and practices machismo. And keeping women down, and that's really institutional. And it's—it seems to me, I'd love your thoughts on this—that it's kind of easier, you know, to, uh, for women, for people to say, "Oh, you know, he's like, uh, what's his name, Weinstein, all those other guys, you know, they're they're bad cases, and they are, no question about it." But this institutional, you know, anti-feminism and keeping women down you know, it kind of reminds me of the institutional racism that's been around for, well, you know, a few hundred years or so. You know, that, that you know, it's not just the individuals who are racist, and we have to deal with that. But the institutional, it's, it's harder to deal with. As you were saying before, it's a tough nut to crack. But if we don't deal with the institutional sexism that is on display in Israel with Ahed Tamimi, what does that say about, you know, the the worldwide feminist movement in the West?
3: Well, you wouldn't be able to believe what the Israeli public and the Israeli media and politicians said after this video went viral of Ahed slapping the soldier, which is really where they, they started gathering in their own momentum and this idea that they, they must punish her. You know, it was said that she emasculated the soldiers <laughs> and it was really embarrassing
1: oh, uh, for Israel, for I the know. Israeli
3: military, that the soldiers were slapped by this girl that they allowed, you know, that they stood there and didn't respond uh, to the slap of her bare hand. And that was really where that first response came from, the call uh, from the Israeli journalist. That she, in return, should be raped. Um, that Israel should exact revenge under cover of darkness with no cameras. So it was a really a sexual, a uh, sexualized thing from the start. And the idea that, that she had, you know, damaged the the military, their masculinity, yeah. is, is part of this, you know, uh, real repression of women. And we could also look at the effects that the occupation has on women, of women uh-huh. who have to give birth at checkpoints, who have to send their young children uh, to school through checkpoints their, when where their children are tear gassed, um, the breast cancer rates in Gaza, and women who can't get out for treatment. Hmm. It's really an oppressive force on women in particular.
0: Hmm wow it's it's so the, the images that it brings up you know I, certainly in the the old south the uh confederacy uh throughout you know well into the 20th century if a black person dared to look in the eye of of a white person a white officer a male or female then uh there would be uh, hell to pay basically the ku klux klan would come out burn a cross in their lawn and sometimes hang people just to show them who's boss boy it sounds familiar it's just it's so surprising to me that that people who a government that that claims to be Jewish would be doing this kind of stuff it's so it's there was a rabbi you probably know uh Michael Lerner uh, who said uh, sure. Israel is murdering Judaism it's just and and the institutional sexism is just I, women across the world in my opinion You know, it's important for people to recognize that that it's not just individuals who are sexist who assault women. It's it's these governments that are you know male obsessed. (laughs) You know, they got to prove their maleness. They she insulted a male soldier. What his masculinity was insulted? Give me a break! (laughs) I mean, it's just I, I just it it's astounding to me. And Jonathan Cook, a very good writer, wrote recently that her slapping the soldier holds up a mirror to the oppressor that I had has exposed the gun wielding bully lurking in the soul of too many Israelis. I think that's an interesting observation and you write, Absolutely. you know, it exposed the gun wielding bully lurking in the soul of too many Israelis. And we don't like bullies. We re- well, we did seemingly elect one as president, uh, but uh, most people, I think, uh, y- you know, it, it's so anti-feminist to be a bully at, that I would hope, I mean, what is being done to make it more of a, you know, not just a Palestinians' rights issue, but a kind of a, a feminist, a worldwide feminism issue? I, I, I can't help but think that more and more, you know, feminist leaders are recognizing that, you know, this this is about feminism, really, and, and being... Uh, dignified as people and not repressed and have full equal rights. Is there, you know, international support building? Do you sense that among feminist leaders?
3: Well, there's a lot of international support building between looking at various forms of oppression and and looking at the Palestinian struggle as part of this larger struggle uh, for human rights and dignity around the world from uh, Black Lives Matter to the struggle for in Puerto Rico in the Philippines, and as we are successful in building this international movement, Israel becomes more and more isolated and is lashing out. And I can think a few things that are that are more bullying as well than the recent uh, ban that blacklist that Israel just put out of twenty organizations. And within that blacklist, they also decided to divide uh, good Jew from bad Jew oh um, by their definition of what a bad Jew is, um, including uh, Jewish Voice for Peace on this blacklist, um, as well as Code Pink, which is another organization uh, that um, with Jewish with some Jewish leadership, oh, sure. and you know, so the in this case, they've really said who is welcome and who isn't, and what is acceptable and what isn't, and who is a good Jew and a bad Jew.
0: And this whole thing about militarism, I mean, what could be more of an example of machismo and male domination than militarism? I mean, as you say, that uh, it is the essence of the struggle for women's rights and why feminism is so incompatible with militarism. It seems to me so it's evidently true. Militarism is ugly male macho on an organized, state-run, incredibly violent scale. It is all about male domination. Where is the disconnect on the part of so many mainstream feminists about militarism, militarism in general, which seems to me is like, you know, it's machismo on steroids, if you will.
3: Sure. So militarism is a problem that we see heavily Uh, here in the U.S., and one of the reasons that we see so many similarities uh, between the U.S. and Israel, uh, whether it was policing tactics or um, collaboration between weapons manufacturers um, and this, you know, massive military-industrial complex. And, you know, militarism Hmm. is, is incompatible with human life, and it's, you know, for example, we look at a massive funding of the uh, weapons industry in the U.S. And yeah. at the expense of Thank human you, right, human needs that yeah. they have from healthcare to education. Um, yeah, it's and so on.
0: It's it's remarkable how they just keep uh, upping the spending for for militarism. At the expense of taking care of families, and they didn't they claim to be the family values party a long time ago? That's like, boy, I guess that's true. They haven't talked about that in a while. Now, good old Code Pink is not exactly known for shrinking from action for justice. What is? Tell us about what Code Pink is doing, and and about perhaps Jewish Voice for Peace, what they're doing, and that. Uh, McCollum legislation, what people can do for that. What is Code Pink doing? And, you know, it's quite a badge of honor to be uh, banned by Israel.
3: So yesterday, uh, Code Pink, and we were joined by uh, Jewish Voice for Peace and American Muslims for Palestine and many others. Uh, Yesterday, we were in Union Station in D.C. There was about uh, 60, 70, or 80 of us um, having a protest uh, for Ahed Tamimi, uh, demanding her release. Uh, just the week before, we were protesting in New York City in Grand Central Station, despite uh, bitter cold. No. And uh, we will be organizing another protest for Ahed on January 31st, which is the day of that. her birthday, when yes. she turns 17. And we'd like to encourage everybody to... Uh, protest for Ahed's release um, on January 31st. We are continuing to confront this uh, new blacklist from from Israel, and we are talking with our partners, both in the U.S. and around the world, about uh, actions we can take together, and those will be forthcoming. And let's talk a little bit about the Betty McCollum legislation. So, you know, this is is really historic uh mccullum's legislation is the first piece of legislation that has ever been introduced for palestinian rights um what it says is that uh it demands that u.s uh military aid which to the tune of 3.8 billion dollars a year that's how much the u.s gives the israeli government for their military um that u.s military aid should not be allowed to be used for the detention and abuse of Palestinian children. So uh, this is an incredible piece of legislation, and we need to get as many members of Congress signed on as possible. And it's taken a lot of elbow grease and and grassroots work and mobilization to get to this point. But we're really, it's one of the most important things that people can do for Ahit's case, is to ask your member of Congress to sign on to the legislation. And um, you can contact me for more information about that. Uh, My email is ariel, A-R-I-E-L, at codepink.org. And you can also look up the No Way to Treat a Child campaign, which Code Pink is a part of which has fact sheets and information on the legislation and how you can advocate to your member of Congress.
0: No way to treat a child dot com, is it?
3: I believe it is. I think it will be dot org. Yeah, probably. If you Google no way to treat a child, you will definitely get there.
0: And just politically, aside from any moral or ethical sense, you know, you you beat down kids. They're not going to grow up to be your biggest supporters. (laughs) It's just dumb politically, it seems to me. No,
3: this is the the making of violence. You know, it's these children come out extremely abused and traumatized. It's a terrible, terrible thing to do to any human being, never mind a child. And the the images that we see of children uh, blindfolded and handcuffed at very young ages, you know, crying as they are hauled away by soldiers are really just unacceptable
0: yeah i don't think it's in that book uh how to win friends and influence people uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're to- we've been talking about 16 year old ahed tamimi uh it- you might want to check it out just uh google a h e d tamimi or just even i probably i imagine by now and uh i want to you know empower people they can do something about this the uh, uh mccallum uh, legislation does it have a bill number yet it might not
3: I believe it's 4371, but don't quote me on that. And how do you, um,
0: how do you spell her last name?
3: M-C-C-O-L-L-U-M oh, that's McCollum. Yep. It's Betty McCollum. Great. And then I also want to encourage people to sign. We at Code Pink have a uh-huh. petition for uh-huh. Ahed um, demanding her release. Uh, I think we're close to 10,000 signatures right now on it. Ah. And people can find that at org slash ahead, And that's A-H-E-D. Right.
0: Well, it's an interesting situation here. I can't believe the uh, Israeli government is really that dumb to phew, do something so bad as this. It, but I guess that's what they do. They don't care about public opinion, apparently. Well, thank you so much, Ariel Gold. I really appreciate your time and your effort on this, and I hope we can speak again. And uh, So January 31st is a day that uh, there's going to be some action to demonstrate support and wishing happy free birthday for uh, Ahed Tamimi. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much for having me
0: on. All right. We'll work together here. We can fight the power.
3: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Thanks. Time
1: is really
2: wasted. There's no guarantee. I